What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. I am your host, Danny Perez, along with Anthony Florentino, and today is episode 31 featuring Devin Kane, former Division I ice hockey goalie at Sacred Heart University. This podcast is brought to you by Daily Dose CBD, Inc. Daily Dose CBD, Inc. is a CBD company out of New Jersey that makes a super effective product. They have tinctures, bombs, and dog treats that flat out work. Check them out on Instagram at Daily Dose CBD, Inc., or you can go to their website at dailydosecbdinc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND to get 10% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND for 10% off your purchases. Let's get to the episode. Me. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, how we start everything, if you want to just give an introduction about who you are and you know, the sport you played and a little bit about your story. For sure. Yeah. So my name's Devin Kane. I am from Scarborough, Maine, which is the greater Portland area for people who think Maine isn't so civilized. Um, I'm in civilization. Um, my sport was women's ice hockey. I actually played for public school in Scarborough and for the Portland Junior Pirates women's team. Um, which was the travel team there. And then I went on to play collegiate hockey for Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, I did start hockey a little late in life. I'm sure most people start when they're like, my brothers did at least when they were like five. I started when I was 12, 13. Um, And I was mostly like my brother's target in the driveway. So I just had this natural ability of getting pucks blasted at me from a young age. So then I just put skates on, learned how to stand there. And I, was decent enough at it to luckily continue my career into college, which was awesome. Um, So yeah, I played at Scarborough for four years. I was a starting goalie for all four of those years. Um, We won one state championship and lost one, which was tough. And then I went on to shoe where I was planning on having some big dreams and playing as much as I could. But unfortunately, when I got on campus, actually the first day of classes, I fell down the stairs and it had happened that I had a torn meniscus um, in my knee. So being a freshman, they were kind of like, look, girl, you're not playing anyway. I'm like, you're right. So they were like, let's operate it on it now and get it fixed. So we went with the repair for people who don't know that just basically means I'm out four months instead of four weeks. And hopefully that way I could keep my meniscus and not have arthritis at the age of 20. So I got that surgery. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I had that surgery and then I was on, I was, I'm sure as you're familiar as athletes, I was extremely competitive. They're like, it's going to be four months. And I'm like, oh, so two and a half. And they're like, no, four months. I'm like, two and a half. So I tried as hard as I could to come back. Um, I was on a really good track to do that until there was just some unforeseen circumstances with some teammates. And I ended up re-tearing my meniscus um, in the same knee. So at that point, they were like, you just had surgery. The only way for us to tell if you tore it again is for us to just go in. You can't get an MRI, like whatever. And I made the decision at that point. I'm like, if you go back in, just cut it out. Like, I don't, this is clearly an issue. So just cut it out. So I had that second surgery. um, And that brought us to right after Christmas break, which I ended up getting back on the ice, which was great. Um, And then I took a puck off the face (laughs) and I had a recalled Bauer mask. So what happened was I got cranial nerve palsy in my face and a dislodged lens in my eye, which basically ended my freshman season. So I looked like 
my athletic trainer was freaking out because it basically looked like I was having my whole face just like collapsed. It was the ugliest thing you could have ever imagined. And they were like, are you having a stroke? And I was like, I hope not. I'm only 18 years old. Oh my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then that they, the neurologists were just like, let's just get this girl off the ice. She's a hot mess. And I was like, good call. Um, Sophomore year, I was back playing. I only practiced. I didn't get any time in games. And I ended up tearing my hip labrum in which I played through with a bunch of cortisone shots because I was hoping that I could get on the ice for a game. And then unfortunately I didn't, which was fine. I was still a sophomore and I ended up getting hip surgery at the end of the sophomore season, which then brings us to junior year, which I ended up finally playing a full season. Um, and then halfway through senior year, I hurt my knee again, the same knee, and they cut out the other side of my meniscus. So basically I have neither, which was a real treat. And then I decided to fight through the rest of my senior year. I obviously wasn't the best goalie I ever was. <laughs> um, I, we ended up winning our region that year, which was super exciting. And I basically tried to take on a different type of role where I was like more of a leader. Cause I was like, look, like this is, I'm not going to help the team by any means being out there. Um, so I got that third, that third knee surgery, getting the meniscus out. And at the end of my career, I got a tibial tuberosity osteotomy and a lateral release where they basically went in, snapped my leg, made some more room, screwed it back together and said, we'll see you when you're 30 and we'll replace it. I'm like, all right, sweet. <laughs> um, Wait, whoa, sorry, sorry. What, did, what did they do? So it basically, they cut me open. It's like seven inches, like this long. And they went in and they broke my tibia. So basically what they were able to do was shrink it. So like my tibia and what is this one? The femur because I was hitting them because I had neither meniscus. So they were like, you need space. And they were like, no person's ever going to do a knee replacement on a 22 year old. Like that's not going to happen. But I couldn't walk. I was just like, so absolutely destroyed my knee. So they basically broke it. And then I have three screws that like put it back together on like the bottom part of my leg. And then the lateral release was just cutting my IT bands. So, like everything else slung shot into place. <laughs> and this is all from the one knee from like the reoccurring injuries and the meniscus right. issues. Just... Yeah. And then being a goalie, which is just not a good position to be in for. Which was the hip I'm assuming, right? The hip issues were the goal exactly. because of being a goalie. I'm assuming mostly. Yeah. 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 That, that tends to be a, a, a common injury amongst goalies, right? Is the hips. Yeah, so the butterfly position, you just, like, rotate so much that it just rips that cartilage over and over. And eventually mm -hmm. it's just, like, we're not built for this, so <laughs> bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what the labrum was. But the cortisone helped a ton with that one, I would say, like, just pumping it full of drugs until I was able to get the surgery. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I guess the mental health piece of that was, as a competitive athlete, I was just so... I just wanted to play like to me, my identity was being a hockey player. My identity was being a goalie and playing all the time. And unfortunately these injuries kept me off the ice so much. So my freshman year is where I had probably the most issue. Um, after the second, I, I was having this positive attitude. I was like, look, like this is going to be fine. This sucks, but we're going to bounce back. We're going to be good. It's just a minor setback. And then when I had the second injury, I was just like, this is, this is the world telling me like, you're not supposed to be doing this. And so what happened was I started to self harm, um, which was obviously not a great way to outlet, but being a freshman, being not that far from home, but also not home and just trying to make new friends. And then every day watching my teammates play the sport that I just wanted to play so badly. It just like, 
how I chose to cope with it was basically taking the like voices out of my head and putting it into a physical pain because clearly I had some physical pain tolerance and I was like, let's just create more while we're at it. Um, when they kept telling me, I like, couldn't go back. You couldn't go back. Like, you're never going to like, you shouldn't play. Like, this is really bad, bad idea. I just was like, I'm nothing without hockey. Like that was just my total mentality. Like I am nothing. Um, so I ended up attempting to take my life, which happened my freshman year. And obviously that was, not a successful attempt and I started to talk to my athletic trainer a lot because as I'm sure both of you know as well you spend a lot of time in there without injuries and then when you're injured it's like the only thing you can do so <laughs> those were my lifts was going and doing leg raises for three hours so I started to talk to her a lot and I was like she started to notice enough of a difference in me that she was like you need help um so I ended up going to the wellness center at Sacred Heart and started talking to someone and basically they were like you got to go to that or like you're we're not gonna let you play like if you don't start figuring it out so that was like another thing I was like okay I have to go <laughs> um so I started to get a lot better the therapy really helped I started talking about it and I was telling teammates more about like not all of it but starting to talk like this is hard um so that was really like the worst part of it and I continued therapy when I went home to Maine I didn't continue I just kind of went along my life and then came back to school and I had to continue so I guess the biggest next pivot would be my junior year. I was sitting in the athletic training room and I was just like, I don't think I'm the only one. And so that kind of started, I started a, or a, I don't even know what to call it. A group, I guess for athletes called heart to heart. Um, and I basically went to Casey, my athletic trainer, and then to some admins at the school athletic department. And I was like, I'm not the only one. And I think we need to talk about this. Like, this is something that people are affected by. Like I was never someone who thought that would happen to. And I'm like the biggest jokester. I'm a classic goalie. I'm an idiot. Like you just, like, <laughs> like you can put any goalie stereotype on me. Like I'm hundred percent that person. And I would constantly continue to be that person, even though on the inside I was like hurting. And I was like, this is just the thing that athletes take to like the nth degree, you know, like, we're told from such a young age, like you get like a puck off the foot and you feel like you're going to die. And they're like, skate it off. And you're like, okay. So you just, like you're constantly from that age told, like, just fight through it. And at some point, sometimes you just can't, like you need that extra thing of help. Um, so that's when I spoke to the athletic department about what I went through, which again, that was at the beginning of my senior year. And at that point I spent so much time in the athletic training room. People just from all sports knew who I was. I was loud, obnoxious. And when this like story came out, they were like, we would have never guessed. And I was like, that's just the thing. Like there's so many other people like at this school going through this. So I started doing all this research with the NCAA. I was like one in four athletes suffer from depression in their career. And I basically brought this to Sacred Heart. I was like, that's like 300 athletes here that are hurting and we don't know anything about it. And the wellness centers backed up because you have I don't even know how 8,000 students on top of just the athletes, like you, you got six people trying to help all these people and it's just not going to work. So we started heart to heart and it started very small. Um, we had mental health games, we raised money. And finally at the end of my senior year, <laughs> school was like, might be onto something. So they took it and fully adopted it. Um, it just is really an Instagram, a blog. And it, a lot of people just started to speak and talk about what they go through which was very eye-opening, I think. Like, I had football players doing it, which I was like, like, women are one thing, but when you get, like, the males talking, you're like, whoa, like, hold back there. That's crazy. 
So that was something that, and to this day, I've spoken at NCAA, like a mental health summit. I've helped um, the NEC conference is a conference that Sacred Heart was in, not hockey wise, but for all, basically all their other sports. And so the NEC actually adopted the model of heart to heart and spread it across all their 12 schools. Um, so I remain pretty involved because I'm extremely vocal about my story and I don't have any shame sharing it because I think it helps. Um, and that brings us to today where I still kind of am involved, but definitely have left it to actual athletes as I am no longer an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, well, I want to backtrack quickly about something you said before about how you had so much mental pain, the voices in your head and you tried to, you know, you soft harm to kind of, take them out of your head and I guess refocus on like a physical pain, which is something I'm, I'm, I've never heard that before. Um, which I've not, I mean, I don't think it's ever something that I would ever ask someone like, Oh, why is it like that's your outlet? But to hear that is kind of uh, interesting as to why like someone would, you know, self um, self harm in that way. And um, I think that's, uh, I think everyone kind of has those little voices in their head, but, Right. It just shows right there how how bad that can be, how bad that can get, that it's just so overwhelming that you have to or you feel cornered and you feel like that, that's your only outlet right now. And I think that that just speaks volumes on, you know, what anxiety and, and what that, you know, what depression, what that truly is like that, you know, it makes you have to find a way to get this out, you know, and yeah. That's um that was interesting that you mentioned that, but I'm, I'm happy that you said that, you know, the one in four athletes statistic, I think that's huge. That's you have 25, 30 players on a team. Football has like 70, 80 guys. Mm-hmm. You know, that's exactly. one in four. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It adds up. And it's like, especially going to a D1 school, which had at the, they have more now, but at the time I had thir- they had 32 division one teams at Sacred Heart. And it's like, and of course, like, some sports are just considered like here to they're just natural. Like I'm not even like saying it's a bad or good, but like football brings in a lot of money. They get a lot of attention. Baseball, it's shoe, bas- men's and women's basketball, like just different sports bring in different sort of like the attention. So you're under a microscope, but then on those other teams, you're under even more of a microscope. So it's almost like you shrink that microscope. And I think you can, it was to, back to the point of like these voices. It's like, Sports is also so mental. Like you have to have a voice in your head at the same time. Like you have to talk to yourself. You have to be positive. Like, you know what I mean? So when that switches, you're like, what, what do I do? (laughs) Like, what do I do? And it was like, to the point of the physical, I was just so used to physical pain. I was like, if that stops me from thinking about whatever the hell it's saying in my head and makes me focus on this pain, then great. I'm going to, that's going to be my outlet and not a healthy one. Don't, don't do that. But Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of the thought process. Um, for sure. Yeah, I think with athletes, self-talk is important. But when you're faced with so much adversity time and time again, the self-talk tends to become negative. Mm-hmm. And then that's where it becomes a problem because since you're in such a routine of dealing with going to the trainer, rehabbing, not being able to play, like walking in the rink, Self-talk is just now the only talk rather than being able to talk yourself out of it. And for me, um, you know, when I was in high school and I was pissed off or just wicked depressed, I would punch anything like 
I'm not kidding. I think I knocked like three or four paper towels, Spencer's like clean off the wall. Like I was punching whatever I could because it was the only thing that would like reset me back to, you know, realizing like, oh, wow. Now, instead of self-talking, I'm sitting here with my hand in a bucket of ice. And then, you know, it leads me back to putting my hand in my glove, grab my stick and not being able to play to my fullest because I let the negativity take over which it goes back to what you just said about how, you know, being an athlete is so mental mm-hmm. that, you know, if you allow negativity to take over in the smallest aspect of whatever you're focused on, it's going to eventually take over everything. So, totally. I mean, just being able to avoid, like not avoid the self-talk, but, you know, find ways around it and mm-hmm. not, when it comes to self-harm or whatever it may be. But I, uh, I mean, I'm glad you're still here to tell your story. And the fact that you did what you did at Sacred Heart, I think is huge because, you know, I don't think, well, Danny and I both agree that I don't, we don't think it's talked about enough. And um, it's actually, uh, I, I didn't know about the heart to heart, but we, um, I I don't know if you know him, but I have played with Mitch Nowen and Justin Danforth. Oh, Um, no way. Yes, I do know them. They're very nice. Yeah, so I was um, was talking to Mitch a couple couple minutes before. But, um, you know, like, we never knew about things like that. And um, at Providence, we didn't have, you know, like, something like the Heart to Heart. We had the Wellness Center, but... I think it's great that you're able to, you know, make a difference. And um, I think you talking about it now and allowing people to hear it just makes even more of a difference. Thank you. Yeah, I think, especially back to your, like, self-talk thing and not talked about enough, I think it's so important that, like, how many hours have we spent in a gym? How many hours have we spent at the rink? Like, we focus so much on the performance and forget that part of the performance is our mental state. Like, And I don't think I, at least personally, I had never gone, like, had such a, like, hockey school study hall lift, you know what I mean? Like, it was just crazy, like, when we got, and I know if you guys probably played juniors and it's a totally different world, but for girls hockey, it was like, you play Saturday, Sunday, and you go home, and you just, you know what I mean? It was like, that was all I had ever done, and I was like, so then you do that, and you're like, you need to, like, you need an outlet, and, like, the fact that more teams haven't taken on these like mental I don't even know like just performance people outside of your physical like we're all there and clearly physically capable of playing hockey at a high level like but how do you keep that is like a totally different game and I think hockey especially like all these athletes now that are coming like NHL players are coming out and talking about it and it's like it's not just like the little girl d1 triple a whatever team i was on you know what i mean it was like it's like everyone from top to bottom whether you're making millions or nothing yeah that's a great point that you bring up i mean we've talked about on previous episodes flo and i but um it's just you work so hard in the summers on you know all right i gotta work on my first three steps or i want to you know develop my skill set you know become bigger stronger and then you know like for both of us this year we both left mid-season to come home and you know, get right mentally. And, you know, I had to come home, see a therapist. I needed time away from the game. Um, so it's like, you know, I often think to myself, well, it's like you put all that physical work in for what, then you have nothing to show for it because upstairs you, you can't even 
like everything's mush. all over the yeah it's mush <laughs> the monkey mind you know <laughs> yeah so it's from like from both pucks and self-talk my brain is legit mush so. <laughs> exactly so it's just like I, that's so, such an important thing is that we work so hard on our physical traits but the mental can easily derail us and it's we have nothing to show for it at that point i think that that's such an important aspect that like you said a lot of teams and um they don't have that service and i think it's so beneficial because you know we're open to talking about it but they're thinking how many athletes are not open to talking about it and are struggling in silence right now and don't feel comfortable right. or don't have an outlet to speak to and you know it it can be um overwhelming for them yeah, totally. And I think that was the point of heart to heart was I wanted people to know that like, okay, you don't want to talk to your teammate. Okay. You don't like, I never wanted to go to my coach because the last thing I could imagine, I was like, if I tell him this, he's going to be like, this girl can't play the sport of ice hockey, cut her, put her, put her somewhere. Like she can't do it. And so I was like, who the heck do you go to? Cause I'm like, I don't want to talk to my teammates because I don't want them to think of, and it's just that one incorrect they didn't think any different of me too my coach would not have sent me to a dark room far away and told me never to play hockey again like that's just not what would have happened but that's totally the mentality we have because we're like our mental not being okay is directed to our performance and all coach cares about is performance and like my coach I was very lucky that he wanted us to thrive as humans but I know in some situations that's not always true so it was almost like all right if we create heart to heart where do we like we have to create this space one okay here's a space of people who are willing to talk about it but two where where do you go directors i don't know what it's called i'm forgetting like they have to, mandated reporters have to kind of do that and then there's the whole wellness center and that was the other thing is the wellness center is hard i don't know what it was like at your places but it's like just on a hill and like you go in and you know you're going to therapy and it was like <laughs> therapy was this huge thing so um people didn't even want to go because they're like you're literally walking into a giant building that is only full of therapists like people know what you're going there for so that was my other thing I was like you need one in like we our big athletic center is called the pit center and I was like we're there every day we do study hall we do lift like it's just a comfortable spot like that is our second dorm like so that happened. We got a therapist for just like the athletes, which was great. And it's just, there are different needs for different people. I think like across the board, like athletes, normal students, grad students, science majors versus business majors. And I think addressing the fact that athletes are a little different, like naturally based on what we do every day on top of school was helpful to have a therapist that could talk to that um, mm -hmm. and kind of hit the differences that we're, ha we're experiencing every day. Like that isn't the normal athlete. I'm sorry, normal student experience at college. Yeah, no, definitely. What I wanted to quickly talk about as well, um, two things. First off, some of the ways that you found helped you cope, maybe some things that you do, whether it be, you know, journaling, meditation, or is it yoga, or just the ways that you kind of have your outlet to help you cope and, you know, use, use or maybe something that you started using. Um, and also I want you to talk about the the summits that you spoke at. Um, yeah. Was that NCAA summits or um, yeah, if you can just tell us about that. Yeah, for sure. So going off what I do, I guess now, because not athletic, I, <laughs> my really bad pandemic purchase because I apparently thought, oh, I'm not going to be going out. Let's spend money. I bought a Peloton, nice. which I'm obsessed <laughs> with. 
But at the same time, I was like, this was really aggressive. I'm not sure why you did that. <laughs> That's what um, my phone is sitting on right now. I'm, obs- oh my God, I'm, I call her Patty the Peloton and it's my new therapist <laughs> because I couldn't go to, like, couldn't go to therapy for a while. So I was like, just sit on this thing for three hours a day again. Um, so I've found different ways to like move my body. And I really do believe that I know I can't move it in the way I once did, but that doesn't mean like there aren't different ways to move it. So I really, really try to get on it every day. And I also love all the others. They have meditation and they have yoga. I'm really bad at yoga, but I try. And the meditation, I I listen to that. And I also have the Calm app, which I'm obsessed with because it has like Harry Styles, which is pretty sweet. And he'll like do a little sleep thing, which is great because I am like the biggest insomniac, um, which was fine in college because I would just wake up and pump seven Starbucks into my body and proceed to day. <laughs> but like now that's just not, I'm not going to thrive that way. So, and I also, that's going back to the insomniac. I really try and get eight hours of sleep, like really, really try. Um, and whether or not I've learned putting my phone just, and I know it sounds so like basic, but like staring at that thing, like I could read the same tweet seven times and it will keep me up all night. Like I'll just scroll through the same feed all the time. And I don't know why. Um, so yeah, those are probably, the biggest thing is probably the Calm app and moving my body. It's getting a little colder. I'm in Boston. And so it gets dark at like four. So I used to try and go on walks, but I don't really get off of work early enough to go for walks with it being light out. So, so with the, the CBD, um, do you like tea by chance? I I'm trying to get into tea because my friends swear, like they do the whole Tivana thing. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Sorry, you just cut. Sorry, that's probably (laughs) me, but I was gonna say I'm getting into the tea game, but I've been trying to think about putting it in my coffee. So I, I'm a big tea guy now and because there's so many out there that um, are, you know, specific for stress or sleep and Danny and I can send you a list of some of the ones that um, we use, but if the CBD has helped me a ton with sleeping and um, there's actually a tea, it's called, am I allowed to? Yeah. Harney and Sons. Um, New York blend. It's supposed to help you like decompress from that um, city life, and it's not like any anything crazy where it makes you droopy or anything like that. But it does mellow you out and just relax you. And um, just a suggestion. I don't know because I always. No, I am open to all suggestions. I feel like I tell all people are like, "What do you do?" I'm like. I preach a real good game is what I do. (laughs) 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 That is my, that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah, no, but, uh, I, I will, uh, I'll send you a list of, uh, some of the teas that, um, I think are useful and then, uh, the directions for the CBD will definitely, yeah, I'm, yeah, just do it. The, they give you a little postcard with it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't read. I need to read it. I'm sure if I read it, I will not be as dumb about it as I am right now, but I will read. <laughs> yeah, it, it, 
uh, it will tell you exactly what you need to do and exactly how much and everything, uh, everything you need. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So how did the NCAA get in touch with you about that or did you reach out to them as far as like that, that summit? Where was that? And uh, yeah, so was it specifically summit, for mental health? Yeah. So what it was, it was actually an NEC NCAA summit. So basically I did not play, as you guys know, the NEC is not a hockey conference. So I played in, I don't even think, I don't even know if it's real yet. I think it is Newha. Um, and then the men obviously played in Atlantic hockey, but um, I, the NEC got in touch with me because obviously I created heart to heart, not just for hockey. I created it for the entire school and the entire athletes, which is majority the Northeast conference. Um, so I went where it was just like head ATs, eight athletic trainers, and then our wellness person, our person who runs like the study hall. I don't know if there's student athlete, like advisors on top of your normal advisors mm -hmm. and then athletic directors. Um, from every NEC school. And basically it was a mental health summit. So it was strictly on mental health and they had a bunch of people. I can look it up and see who was there, but there were a bunch of doctors, one from Penn state who basically came and talked about how like, this is, this is important. Like we all need to like step back and like think of these athletes as like people, not just performers. Like we need to address this. Um, so basically what they did is they had me stand up and speak about how I started Heart to Heart and how I started the conversation within the entire athletic department. Because basically what happened is I started and everyone was kind of like, all right, you can like do it, but like we're not giving you money and just like figure it out. And I was like, all right. Basically the only skill I had was starting an Instagram and I managed to like get everyone at Sacred Heart to follow it. Cause they were like, this, this needs to be talked about. So I basically grew this huge following on Instagram and Twitter and when we would post things, it would just like blow up. So we had a field hockey girl write a blog and it got posted on US field hockey, like the Olympic site, which then brought like even more traffic. And then we had an ad on ESPN one day talking about heart to heart, like on the TV. So that brought, so it was just one of those things that they were like, all of a sudden Sacred Heart was like, all right, we're here. What do we need to do to help? And I was like, great. Um, so I really talked about that and then told, my story again, obviously, and then told how I created Heart to Heart and then kind of gave these schools like the foundation and the rubric, knowing that every school is different, but like you just need to like start a conversation, make a space, and then give these students the ability to like do it on their own. Like, so Sacred Heart has kept it student run, which I think is huge. And I think allowing kids to just talk about it in a way they feel comfortable about talking about it is big and not telling them this is the standard. Um, so that's what I did at that summit. Um, and then the other thing I did at SHU, I, that was the only summit I spoke at for the school. I've done a lot of other random interviews a lot since I've graduated. Um, and then one thing at SHU that was huge is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book, What Made Maddie Run? Yes. That's, is that about uh, Madison Holleran? Yeah. So New Jersey, was, I'm pretty sure. I was... Yeah. Was a few, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she went I remember to that story. UPenn. Yep. Yeah. And she committed suicide by jumping off the parking garage and was a track athlete, which just mm -hmm. brought a ton of, and UPenn in general, like once people dug into UPenn, they were like, the amount of suicides I have there. And then on top of student athlete suicides is like, not good, <laughs> not good. Mm -hmm. um, so Kate Fagan, who is a ESPN contributor 
writer dash on ESPNW a lot, wrote a book. Her family actually gave her access to like Maddie's text messages and everything, like showing the shield she had to all of her friends that nobody would have ever guessed that this girl was like breaking. Um, so we actually had Kate Fagan come to Sacred Heart and talk to everyone about like what she learned about like Maddie's story, like the whole, what we talked about earlier that you just pretend you're, you're good. Like you don't want anyone to think you're not. And then when something happens, you look back and you start to pick up on all these things that were like, Oh, like maybe there I should have. Um, and one of my goals is just trying to create a place where people aren't scared to like ask people like, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, hard for someone going through something to say they're not okay but I think it's harder as a bystander to be like do I ask mm -hmm. and it's like I I've just it's so hard it's like the million dollar question you know like how do you get these people comfortable enough and teammates comfortable enough to be like I don't think Devin's okay like I should ask and it's just so uncomfortable um and I think to your point earlier, I think it just is totally created off the environment we create within our locker rooms, within our athletic departments and our schools, that this is something we talk about. Like, just if you're not okay, you ask someone, you, it's fine. Um, and I think that's just a bigger hurdle than just an, starting an Instagram. But I think it's something that a lot more people are trying to get to the bottom of. So I hope the hurdle gets a little smaller. But that was something I really struggled with figuring out was the other side of it. Like I can tell my story until I'm blue in the face, but how do I get someone to ask if they think I'm not okay? Yeah. Who isn't my mother? Because she'll yeah. ask that every day. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I think, um, I, I think we're in like, such like a tiptoey kind of walking on eggshell society right now that it's just like adding more to like, Oh, totally. To like this, you know, it's great that people are individually talking about it themselves and being more, feeling more comfortable. But like you said, like those bystanders, like when you see something, you got to say something like, cause these people aren't going to always, um, you know, ask for help. And I, that, I think it's great that you can, like you said, tell your story and, you know, so you're blue in the face, but if pe some people aren't just going to have the courage to say, Hey, like this is bothering me. You have to be able to kind of pick up on these little things and just being, um, you know, mindful of, you get, you can't care you know, if, if like, oh, I'm going to offend this person. You know what? I, hey, you've been acting strange. Like, what's going on? Right. Like, and if they get mad at you, it's like, all right, whatever. You tried. Like, right. you have to make sure that you say, hey, like, I'm here for you. What's going on? Um, because it's sometimes it can be too late. Yeah. And one of the craziest things, I don't remember where I read it, but it was, it may have been through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They're like, if you ask someone if they're thinking to take their life, you're not giving them that idea. Like you are not creating something they haven't already thought about. You know what I mean? Like people are so scared. Like if I asked Evan if she's thinking of killing herself, she's going to do it. And that's just not how it works. You know what I mean? Like if I was thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. If I'm not, you asking doesn't mean I didn't know it was an option. Like if I'm going through something and it was, I don't remember where I read that. I would have to look, but it was just, I try and tell people that I'm like, you, you aren't going to give me an idea that I potentially already had, like, or don't have, like everyone, suicide shouldn't be an option, but everyone knows it's a, you know what I mean? Like if you're mm -hmm. struggling, you know, it's there. So it's like, you're not saying something breaking news, like suicide, like we all know. Um, so it's really, yeah, to your point, it's just let them get mad at you. Like you potentially just helped or saved them or whatever. Like, 
there's two options. They're either going to tell you and you're going to be able to help them get help or they're going to get mad at you. But I think it's sometimes worth potential anger than the uh, consequences. No, definitely. Um, talk about, so you read that book, what made Maddie run? Yes. And you said that, you know, they had access to the text messages and all about, you know, how she was like kind of having this, like, I guess, uh, persona that everything was okay what were some of the signs that they said or some of the examples if you can remember of what made her kind of put up that wall what were some of the key things that maybe she was saying that were like oh maybe we should keep you know next time like we gotta this is yeah. some, a great a opportunity like hey she's struggling what were those, some of those yeah signs? so it was one of those things that like her mom would be like are you good and she'd be like yeah and it was just like that was it and i think as they started to dissect these things they were like okay so here Maddie was really distant. She was only giving one word answers or like here she for, there was a point in time where she wanted to quit track and everyone was like, and that's something I went to. I was like, I think I need to quit hockey. Like this is never going to work. Like I need to quit. And that was like my first thing I'm going to quit hockey. Um, and I think that's something that goes through a lot of freshman athletes minds, like whether it's playing time, because I think a lot of freshmen walk in and are like, I was the shit in high school. So I'm about to be the shit in college. And that is like one in 50 people who are like the shit in college mm-hmm. their freshman year. Um, and I think they just were like, these were all signs that Maddie was like not going to dinner with friends. She wasn't going to practice. She was running her long distances alone. And they were like, these were all things that they were thought she was just using to cope with being a freshman and going through like some hard times when in reality, she was just truly distancing herself from everyone. Um, and when I was personally going through like attempt debating, like the attempt to take my life and then ultimately attempting, it was one of those things that I had totally convinced myself that no one would miss me. And if I detached from more people, then less people would be hurt by this impact like Mm -hmm. it would just be like the lesser I'm involved with people the lesser they can be hurt Mm -hmm. um and I think you I could tell myself until I was I'm not going to say blue in the face again I already said expression but I could (laughs) tell myself over and over again that no one would miss me and people were just like you don't understand like that impact so it was one of those things that I think a lot of people who can relate are like parents we just know would be like I knew like my parents would be devastated there was no question but like I was like, I can lessen who is hurt if I just don't talk to them, if I distance myself. So I got to the point that I truly was only going to lift and practice because those were the only two places I would be missed because it's absolutely 100% true. They don't take attendance in college. They truly don't give a flying if you're in that classroom. They're like, you're paying 60 grand a year. You can go do whatever you want. Um, So I was like, I just have to have enough energy to show up for my physical therapy to go to lift and to go to practice. And then I can just lay in bed all day and no one will care. Um, and that's really where, where it got to. And I wasn't talking to anyone. I was doing the classic, like my mom has this rule. She's like, just say goodnight. I don't care what time you say goodnight, but say goodnight. So I got in that method of just making sure I told my mom goodnight. And I think it just, and again, as a, in college, people are all doing their, everyone's going through their own stuff. And then on top of being a freshman, I think it was just that added, I didn't have enough people in my group yet to like really know me any different than what I was doing. You know what I mean? Like people just thought that's how I was. I was just like, I don't care about anything except for hockey. And like, so it's really funny to talk to teammates and like people now who are like, we've seen you 
in this much more healthy state. And like, if you were to go back into that state now, it would be so obvious that like we couldn't ignore it. But at that point in time, they didn't know any better. Like that was just Devin. Um, so I think it's opened my eyes a lot to people and their tendencies. And I really try and know people for more than just what they put off because I think I know I put off a lot of a different persona. So I think we just, I know I went way off track, but like back to like the Maddie thing, that's basically what she was doing is she was distancing herself from everyone. And then part of the story was the garage she actually jumped off of. She left like a gift for her mom, her dad, and like her grandmother, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. <laughs> like, but it was just one of those things that like she, she was planning like this whole thing. Like she was not, she was not not going to try and commit suicide or commit suicide. And it went back to this whole, her last Instagram post was like this pretty picture of a park with like these lights where she was literally walking to the garage where she ended up committing suicide. And it's just like Instagram's another place. Like let's not even get started about the persona people put out on Instagram. And then you find yourself comparing and you're like, oh, this person is so pretty and lovely. And like they have the best life where they're probably struggling and all they're putting on Instagram is their best life. Nobody posts their bad life on Instagram that doesn't get the likes. So social media and just texting in general is like such a thing you can hide behind. Like you can put 17 exclamation points behind your text message and I am never that excited. And I'm like, oh my God, yay. Um, and I think then you put yourself in a pandemic where you're literally the only source of communication you have is texting most of the time and posting on Instagram. I think that just adds fuel to the fire. And I just hope that like this whole experience we're in right now doesn't set a lot of people back in showing them that they can just stay inside and hide from the world because that puts yeah. a little bit, I can't hide inside. I don't like this at all, but I know some people who are introverts are probably thriving and not in like the best of healthy ways. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, you said a lot of like kind of different heavy stuff about, uh, just like the way people can, you know, hide. And I think it's so important that we kind of become more attentive to who we are or who we're with around us, you know, and different, you know, people's different habits and, you know, really getting to know your friends on a, you know, a deeper level, the people that you're associating with on a deeper level, because, I think you can be able to pick up on these signs quicker than if, yeah, I think we're just, like you said about Instagram, everyone's posts like their best life. And I think that we can easily hide on our phones and, you know, people go out to eat all the time. I'm guilty of it. And you're sitting like with your four buddies and everyone's on their phone on the right. waitress, Then the waitress or waiter comes and says, Hey, you guys ready? It's like, oh, I haven't even looked at the menu yet. It's like, yeah, they just aren't even socializing with each other. And it's just like, <laughs> so how are you supposed to even know how they're, if they're acting different if when you're with them in person, you don't even know how they're acting right there. It's just so, I think uh, it's just important that we kind of, I don't know, kind of get back to reality a bit and realize that social media is everything, your phone is and everything. And I'm, I've been guilty of being on my phone too much, obviously, but I think when you kind of put your phone down a bit and interact with people. I think you can kind of see how people are acting right in front of you. And when things are acting different, you kind of notice, hey, he's acting a little bit different, but we're also yeah. occupied in our own little world right now that we don't even notice it sometimes. It's unfortunate. Yeah, and I think that's also an advantage of being an athlete. You know, we spend so much time together that it's like you do notice things in your teammates. Like you're straight up like 16 hours a day you're with these people. And yes, you come to hate them some days, but 
the amount of time you spend together, like that is an advantage of being an athlete when you think about it, especially in team sports where you straight up, like as you guys are familiar, your road trip starts Friday at like 8 a.m. and you don't get back till Sunday night. And it's like you spent a whole weekend with these people. Mm -hmm. um, so like athletes definitely have their own stuff, but at the same time, you definitely have your own little family that I think it's important to remember that too, that these people on or off the ice or field or whatever you do is your family and they notice all the little things, even though they probably don't want to because they've spent 18 hours with you each day. <laughs> Yeah, I think being an athlete is, like, you can't hide. because, Like, I could tell you right now, I could tell you how every person on my hockey team tapes their shin pads or tapes their stick. Like, I can tell you every little detail from the way, like, they do certain things. But when they ask somebody, it's behind a, uh, behind a screen or something along those lines. And for athletes, we're trying to, you know, be tough and push through everything. So when we get to the rink, we put a face on for a couple hours and then we're hiding in our room. And right. I think the interaction part is huge because you, if you're going to ask someone, it needs to be in person or, you know, not behind a text or, you know, anything like that. Because especially teammates are going to try and, you know, cover it up and look tough because, you know, they have the most block shots. They want to be known as a tough guy. And right. If you, if you ask them, hey, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm great. <laughs> Little do you know, they go home and hide in a room. So. Right. Yeah. I don't, it's I don't so believe in social media anyways, so I hate it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I hate the new little thing the iPhone does where it tells me how long I've been on my phone all week. And I'm like, do I have a job? Am I doing anything else? <laughs> it's, like the phone, it's like Apple's just slapping you in the face. Oh, like, I know. You, They're really funny. You. <laughs> <laughs> and then it breaks you down with like a bar graph. It's oh, like 80% yeah. of your time was spent mm. on Instagram. I'm like, that sounds about right. Thank you. <laughs> just a statistic oh. of my screen time. That's all I am. <laughs> no. But. No, no, but uh, no. We appreciate you um coming on and uh, taking the time to talk with us. We don't want to take a, a, any more of your time here, but um, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you for being so open much. too. It was so informative about you know kind of the different patterns people kind of display. So um, this will definitely be helpful to a lot of people, and we just really appreciate you coming on and talking about your story and as well as heart to heart. Is that Instagram still active? And they're still obviously running that program, right? Yeah. Yep. I try not to be as involved because I'm like, I'm three years, two and a half years post-grad. Like we should mm -hmm. really just leave the nest, but yes, it's still all live and thriving. I think, I think they're getting a little more action with sports not happening. So, <laughs> awesome. um, no, but thank you guys so much. This was really fun. Um, yeah, thank fun you again. it was fun to talk about my, <laughs> 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 right. It is fun. It can be fun. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And what's the heart-to-heart awesome, heart Instagram? So if, if people think they at, can follow or check it yeah, out. It's at S-H-U and then just heart-to-heart heart with T-O, not the number. Awesome. Sweet. Yep. Perfect. You can go well, give it so a good old follow because – and I'll just help promote any stuff you guys do if you ever think of anything. Um, I think everyone just needs to work together here and spread the word as best as possible. So – Thank you again 
It was fun. Thank you.